What are the Ravens' needs as the 2022 NFL Draft quickly approaches? We talk about that and more with a very special guest next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostraker of Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. And we are here just days before the 2022 NFL draft. And back with us to discuss kind of his final preview for this show on the draft and all the happenings surrounding the Baltimore Ravens this is our Taco Tuesday guest in Spencer Schultz of Baltimore beat down Spencer. This is a Ravens podcast, but I love the Orioles representation. If you're listening in audio form, you can't see Spencer's shirt, but on YouTube, you can see that Mancini shirt. Spencer, how are you doing today? Doing quite well. The Pepperoncini himself, Trey Mancini, uh, starting to get those Orioles a little more feisty. Did take the over on wins for this season, as I tend to do, but I feel a little better this year than I did last year. So Orioles baseball kicking off. It is the NFL draft week. It is here. Feels like this draft cycle flew by a little quicker than some of the previous years, but I'm really excited. It's my favorite time of the year. This is what all of the dozens and hundreds of hours of tape watching, comparison, mock drafts, everything's for. It's the week of. It is like the the week of Christmas, ultimately, for a 20-something football analyst. And now we get to dive in and sit back, relax, and watch the fireworks. And then from there, it gets a little easier. Everything will be decided, and we can move forward towards the season through the summer. Yeah, and it's crazy how much we and, and everybody has been talking about this draft. And it feels like it's in the middle for me. Like, it feels like it's gone by super quickly. And then at the same time, it feels like it's taken like five years to, to get through everything. But there have been so many things surrounding this Ravens team about the draft. And something that has popped up recently is obviously the Ravens need for an offensive tackle. That's been a thing for a while, but people are starting to maybe look at Trevor Penning as an option for 14 potentially to some dismay among the Ravens fan base. But Spencer, there was some news reported on Ronnie Stanley yesterday by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network saying that there is optimism surrounding his status for 2022. And obviously there's a lot that goes into a report and announcement like that. And obviously just a couple days before the draft, I was wondering just your announcement or your reaction to the announcement of this report that Iraq report put out. And if there maybe is anything relating to the timing of it, in your opinion, has to be the timing is conspicuous at best. It is certainly part of the theatrics. There are dueling reports that the Ravens absolutely love Trevor Penning and have done ample research, homework calls. They've been in on him since during the season. They spent a lot of time at UNI and that, you know, Eric DaCosta has said, I made a mistake last year not having a better insurance plan for Ronnie Stanley's health or not believing the timeline or doing enough due diligence on the timeline to getting him back in the right spot. So the Ravens do have that scorned lover uh, kind of mentality where when something burns them, they double down on making sure that it is not an issue again. And for the Ravens, that right now is that tackle situation. 2020, Ronnie Stanley goes down, 
that that season and then you slide Orlando Brown over okay and the entire right side of your line collapses you didn't have proper depth there you are platooning DJ Fluker and Tyree Phillips 2021 Stanley goes down again Villanueva slides over to left tackle he doesn't play well enough Pat McCary is your right tackle he's a pleasant surprise but ends up missing time and you have holes on both sides at times uh, have to devote your offense to giving special attention putting a tight end to chip making sure your running backs chip going and empty with uh, kind of an offset H on both sides or HY and being able to chip and uh, really limiting yourself to three-man route combinations and true passing downs, things like that. So the Ravens have been scorned. It is tough to swallow that there isn't smoke and mirrors involved in the timing of this. And uh, it does feel like they are trying to create some sort of stir to get some sort of traction from a team behind them or to make people think that they're not taking a tackle. It's a little bit tough to, to read through. Jeff Zreback putting out that you know the Ravens absolutely love Trevor Penning um, with Ronnie Stanley just smoking mirrors. That's what it feels like. Yeah, and it does feel like with the timing, it could be okay. The Ravens are starting to create that avenue for them where if other teams do buy it, and I'm not saying it's false, but if other teams do, you know, put a lot of stock into it and say, oh, well, the Ravens don't have to take a tackle in the first round now, that opens the door potentially for another team to pass on a tackle and to maybe make sure that, you know, instead of maybe taking a tackle to say like, oh, we love this guy and also the Ravens don't get him. It's more of, all right, well, now the Ravens don't really need a tackle because Stanley is on track to play. But it feels like Spencer, their fan base is split a little bit into two different camps in terms of what the news does end up meaning for the Ravens draft strategy. Some say that, yeah, you know what, this is great news, but the Ravens still absolutely have to invest in this tackle position and not get scorned as you talked about, but others are saying, well, this is a deep draft. If Stanley's on track, they don't have to draft the tackle until the third day of the draft. Where are you on that spectrum in terms of if this impacts the Ravens draft plans or not? Well, I don't know that, Ian Rappaport tweeting it out changes, you know, anything from where the Ravens were already. So I don't know if it directly actually impacts them less our interpretation of the narrative or our interpretation of where the Ravens are at, but it is a deep tackle class. There are players in this class that I think would have gone in the second or third round last year that you might be able to get at the end of the third round, early fourth round this year. So with that depth in mind, I don't think you're pigeonholed into having to take a tackle at 14. Uh, I think that, they have enough ammo to ensure that they can move up very easily into the beginning of the third round or the end of the second round or wherever it needs to be to go get that player that they think fills out the depth uh, of this roster. But I do think that they are going to prioritize it. Eric DaCosta vowed to improve the line. Um, a lot of, you know, that penning homework and a lot of those Ravens love penning speculations uh, came before Morgan Moses became right tackle. Morgan Moses is 30 years old. That's not terribly old for a tackle. He's not a spring chicken, but you know, probably has a couple decent years of football left in him at worst. Uh, so you do ultimately want to make sure that you go find a viable left side player that has been playing left tackle, Rashid Walker, Zach Tom, um, you know, whoever it is that has been there, is comfortable on that side, and that you think could give you some level of consistency through growing pains at worst. So I would be a little surprised to see the Ravens if they were to, you know, hypothetically stand pat, pick at 14, pick at 45 and pick at 76, not end up using one of those first three picks on a tackle. 
It feels like it is the final form of laying everything out on the table, having depth in all spots. You have Juwan James, Morgan Moses. You feel good at right guard. You've got a little competition at center. You could add a center in this draft as well. Left guard has competition. You got your $100 million left tackle coming back, and then you add a little bit of depth behind him that you feel good about, and suddenly you're, you're two guys deep across the line. Plus, you've got guys like McCary and potentially adding someone else in this class that could play multiple positions. Uh, so the Ravens should be in a good spot with the depth at tackle in this class and center as well. Yeah, it is a very deep offensive line class, not just at tackle, but a very another interesting debate that I've kind of been going back and forth on myself, Spencer, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it is if the Ravens should take two offensive tackles in this class, and you mentioned kind of the depth the Ravens already have at the position. So I've been kind of teetering back and forth, but I lean towards no right now, but there are clear reasons as to look the Ravens with the injuries they went through in 2021 over investing in the tackle position is not the worst idea in the entire world. And plus it is a deep class. You can get probably two pretty talented players. If you go 14 and in the fourth round or 45 and in the fifth round, do you feel like the Ravens should invest two picks at the offensive tackle position? And that also looks at versatility as well. I would want someone who has experience playing on the left side, but also one who can kick into center. Um, so I think you're looking at an inside guy that projects to center, has experience at center, as well as a left side experienced player. So uh, with them picking so many times, likely, I don't think they pick less than seven times in this draft, barring something completely unforeseen, some crazy move in the top of the draft. They're going to add two offensive linemen, and I think they want to really have a, a solid situation with their offensive line. Again, it's it's doubling down on making sure that you don't get burned for the third straight year by a lack of depth, particularly at the tackle position. And what the Ravens have put out there in terms of just what they want to do with the position. I mean, I believe them. I believe that they don't want to get burned again and, and they shouldn't want to because just how, how out of control I think it got with the injury to Stanley and just not having that and just having him only play one game and then having to move Villanueva back over to the left side after having the whole plan to play him at the right side. It was just all these different moving parts. So I do think the Ravens take probably no less than two offensive linemen in general. My sweet spot is anywhere from one to three, where one is probably a little too low. Three is maybe a little too high, but I understand it. So two is maybe, you know, you get an offensive tackle, you get a center. And I feel like that's where they could go, but it's a very deep offensive line class in general and i'm excited to see who they end up adding because it would shock me if they didn't add any offensive linemen i think that's completely out of the cars they're gonna add at least one guy in this 2022 draft what into our first break here though i'll make it back we're diving into some of baltimore's needs just a couple days uh, behind of the 2020 or ahead of the 2022 draft so be sure to stay tuned for that and we'll be right back but first let me tell you a bit about athletic greens and they have a product that people use all the time and i personally started taking ag1 because health is very important to me also energy as well i want to have a ton of energy throughout the day and ag1 certainly helps me with that and what's in it well with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right the special blend of ingredients support your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging and it's also lifestyle friendly so whether you eat vegan or dairy free or gluten free it adapts to that lifestyle it also contains less than one gram of sugar so no gmos no nasty chemicals or artificial anything and it costs you less than three dollars a day so if you're investing in the cold brew habit, it does end up 
costing less than that. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens can give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. And also, betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. The Nuggets won a game. I mean, they they won a game. That's all I can ask for. If you want to bet on the Nuggets and Warriors series, I can't promise you they'll win another one. But if you want to bet on the series, be sure to do it with Bet Online. It's your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So, to the website, use mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown talking about this Ravens draft that is going to be really exciting, honestly. And also, we have a ton of stuff coming up on the Locked on NFL podcast network for live draft coverage. And for the first time ever, Locked on is actually hosting a live coverage of the 2022 NFL draft from our studios in Dallas with pick by pick analysis from our local team experts and draft gurus. So tune into all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. Starts on Thursday, April 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern time, available on the Locked on NFL YouTube and the Odyssey app as well. But Spencer, this Ravens draft, 10 picks. A lot of needs still to fill on this roster. And we've talked a lot about just where the Ravens need players. Edge has been a big position of that. Cornerback has been a big position of that. And with 10 picks, they have ammunition, as you talked about, to move up and to move down. But I want to get into more of the sneaky needs as we've talked about a bit, such as tight end and, and running back and potentially a center based off of John Harbaugh's comments. Maybe they look to add on the defensive line, which I think they should. But where do you see the Ravens investing in some of those sneakier needs? And do you think that some of them maybe pop up earlier than expected, such as a running back or a tight end? I think that the Ravens really need cornerbacks. And I think that they're keen on this class. This is a, a nice class. There's a lot of taller, longer, press-experienced corners that fit their typical MO and what they've built. And with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters constituting such a large cap devotion as well as marcus williams you really need to have insurance to protect yourself if that is your team building philosophy build from the back forward we invested a lot of money there then you need insurance and we've watched the ravens i don't know seven out of the last eight years become thin at corner it almost feels like no matter what they do they do end up thin at corner uh, aside from maybe like 2019 and 2020 to a degree so other than that every year they've had issues they let Tavon young go uh, bringing Marcus Williams in does indicate maybe Brandon Stevens plays a lot more slot and a box role. And I think he could definitely thrive there. He's really loose, able to uh, fluidly match routes and patterns. But at the end of the day, they, they need another corner. You, you're talking about what, three, maybe four. Ardarius Washington's a slot guy. You're not going to ask him to play any outside corner. Amon Marshall has never played. Um, still, you know, hoping you can get something out of him. But that would be the definition of insanity to expect him to have a role at this point. It's more of a pleasant surprise if he's someone who can even make it through camp. Um, so, you know, one of the most talented prospects ever had a nice career at USC, just hasn't been able to stay on the field and banking on someone who has never stayed on the field to have a role. I don't think is a good process. So ultimately, I think corner is a, a very heavy need uh, running back and tight end. I don't think are necessarily needs uh, backs. You can find UDFAs. You can find late round guys. 
But when you have so many picks, you can't take, you know, oh, we have a need at corner. We're going to take three. They're not going to take three corners. They're not going to take, you know, three edge rushers. They're not going to take three tackles, and that's your nine picks. So you got to spend the pick somewhere. If they pick seven, eight, nine times, then a back feels likely. I really like a Brian Robinson, a Tyler Algier, uh, Rashad White uh, for, for fits for the Ravens, Amir White as well on, you know, late day three, early, or excuse me, late day two, early day three, maybe mid day three. Um, tight ends wise. I love Jeremy Ruckert. I think he brings a real wide presence and is able to have some movement skill at the top of his routes. Uh, there are a couple nice tight end options in this class. Jelani Woods has gotten a ton of buzz for his, you know, combine, everything like that. Also a super experienced blocker at Oklahoma state. Not that he was necessarily dominant, but was asked to do a variety of things as upside there. K dot and another one from Washington. It feels like a real serviceable blocker. J- Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin, a very serviceable blocker. Um, so all guys that can give you a little bit more downfield likely than Nick Boyle can. And again, you really miss Nick Boyle last year. You do kind of have Pat Ricard that can do some things, but tight end feels like a spot where the Ravens haven't added in a while. And it's likely that they could Josh Oliver, uh, I thought was going to have a, a little bit more of a role in this offense. Couldn't quite carve it out. Um, so it feels like they, they probably want some competition there. And I think it's pretty unlikely that the Ravens don't walk out of this draft with at least a running back or a tight end. Um, but sneaky needs other than that. Uh, I don't know another boundary body at receiver, maybe a Romeo Dow's later in the draft out of Nevada. It feels like if you're to lose Marquise Brown or Rashad Bateman for an extended period of time, who do you trust to go line up outside, uh, around the numbers and in an isolated situation and go win? I don't think they really have an outside body aside from Bateman. And, and I guess Brown plays a lot there at times, but not, not that he has the body for it necessarily, but uh, that skill set to threaten vertically and be able to win an isolated situation. So I think adding another, you know, taller or plays bigger and can threaten vertical receiver, uh, something that this offense could use another X type. Uh, Miles Boykin is, go- is gone now and there's definitely competition, but uh, it feels like, again, you know, that's a spot where if one of those guys goes down for eight games, you're going to be limited in what you can roll out and how you can threaten defenses. Right. And that's exactly where I actually wanted to go with you next is the wide receiver position, because there has been that debate of where the Ravens should take a wide receiver. And this is a, this is a deep class wide receiver wise, but the Ravens obviously investing six picks in the wide receiver position over the past three seasons, a lot of high picks as well. I mean, the Ravens first round pick last year was Rashad Bateman and obviously 2019, it was Marquise Brown. And there have been people who are on the wide receiver at 14 trainer in the first round train. There are others who believe that, you know, you don't have to spend that pick on a wide receiver because there are those big bodied players a bit later. And I agree with that. You do need that big body player, but Spencer, where, where are you, where's your final stance in terms of the wide receiver train for you? Where would you feel comfortable with the Ravens taking a wide out in this draft? Anywhere. I'm comfortable with the Ravens taking a wide out anywhere in this draft. Uh, I feel like maybe the third round isn't a great spot for receivers based on me and my own exercises uh, trying to work through and, and work through mock draft situations and things like that. But 14, I, I wouldn't be, you know, ridiculously floored with it. If you can go out of Jamison Williams to this offense, someone that adds another element of being lethal over top speed that you have to worry about. And you feel like you can, you know, have that depth. If you're confident in Ronnie Stanley, there are needs on the defensive side of the football, but this is supposed to be the deepest defensive draft in years. I do like edge options in round two, round three, round four. Guys like Alex Wright, Josh Paschal, Drake Jackson, uh, Sam Williams. There's a ton of them. So, you know, corner, again, there are day two guys at corner that you think can go play pretty quickly. So wide receiver, I, I 
don't think they maybe should, but I also don't think they shouldn't. I'm, I'm relatively indifferent to that. And if the board falls a certain way, I think that adding someone who can do something after the catch, also be an outside body and just continue to take this offense to another level is a way to threaten defenses, limit the way that they can play you and add another dynamic element. If you're able to roll out a Jamison Williams, who I think clearly is my favorite in this situation, as I've said his name twice now, but adding him, it creates a fluidity of Bateman and Brown being able to play inside or outside. You have Mark Andrews. You still have Devin Duvernay. You have insurance. If someone goes down, your pass game's not going to suffer. And with Lamar Jackson having the football in the backfield, there is going to be a real catch-22 if you have a truly dynamic wide receiver room. And particularly with Williams, just to go further, you know, with Brown and Bateman, so hopefully healthy going into the season, there's not a ton of pressure on him to be playing 70, 80% of snaps early. He can pick his spots, pick and choose, have a specific role, gain his confidence back. You can make sure he rehabs properly and, and get him in there. So um, even first round, second round, George Pickens, I would love in the second round. So I, I don't think there's a bad spot to take a receiver. And I don't think it's a, a bad question to ask of where can the Ravens, you know, take this offense over the top. On the offensive side of the ball, every mock draft is an edge rusher or a corner or an offensive lineman. And sometimes the highest rated player on your board, if the board falls a certain way, can still add another dynamic element that maybe can help you overcome or compensate or supplement some of your weaker areas as a football team. And with those remaining picks, they should be able to fill out the defensive side of the ball as needed to a degree. Right. It, it would not honestly shock me either. And there is a lot of talent at the top end of this draft. And if the Ravens do want to go best player available, knowing that they can still add to this offense, it, it wouldn't shock me if, if they took a receiver there. But Spencer, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, obviously we know edge is a big need. We know corner is a big need, as you've talked about. But the safety position is one that really isn't a big need at all obviously signing Marcus Williams having Tony Jefferson come back and Geno Stone as well having Chuck Clark and to me it feels like the Ravens don't really have to take a safety in this class I mean that they could get a guy in undrafted for agency but there is the potential of maybe a cornerback that can play some safety or a safety that can move into the slot or potentially that do you feel like the Ravens need to draft a safety in this class in the later rounds or do you feel like that's a position where they can just kind of cross it off and focus elsewhere I think you have to be in a situation maybe like last year where Tylen Wallace is just by far your best player available. He fits what you do as a football team in third, fourth, fifth round, um, even though they don't have you know, a ton of fifth round picks, but third, fourth round later in the draft, wherever they end up, you're like, all right, we have a third round grade on this guy. We're picking at 160 right now and we're going to, we're going to send it in. Uh, I do like Geno Stone. I think Brandon Stevens is a player and will be a potential impact player in the next year or two for this defense. So I, I don't think you you really have to look at a player and be like, wow, he is by far the best player on our board right now. Um, you know, even Kyle Hamilton, it, it's a little tough depending on how the board plays out. Um, and some people have him as the number one player in this draft. So it's it's a little tough. But with the commitment they just made to Marcus Williams, with what Chuck Clark does for this defense and having depth behind it, it feels like it's likely they don't spend a pick in the safety room. Yeah, and we were talking about how before free agency, before Marcus Williams and everybody, that it was a need for them, but they addressed it in a really good way in free agency. And, you know, you talk about Tylen Wallace. I know you might remember me pounding the table saying the Ravens are not taking two receivers in the 2021 draft. I was on that. And then Tylen Wallace becomes available. He's the pick. And I'm like, 
you know, that makes sense. He's a player that shouldn't be there in this situation. Best player available, you look at it that way. So I don't think the Ravens need to draft a safety, but I agree with you, Spencer. If the guy's the best player on the board and has been for multiple rounds for them, then I think it makes a lot of sense because you just add talent on top of talent, and that's what this team has become so good at doing over the course of their franchise history. We'll head into our final break here now. Make it back. We'll be diving into official predictions for number 14 and more. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. First, let me tell you a bit about Rock Auto, and this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it can be impossible for your local chain auto parts stores to really stock with the parts you need. So sometimes you can endure some pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and you have to wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer and you can only really choose the brands they happen to carry because that's all they have but now you have computers access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket you can save time and money when using rock auto rock auto is a family business so they've been serving do yourself for over 20 years and their prices are very very low reliably low actually for every customer their website is actually really easy to use you can find the solution to all of your auto part needs so go to rockauto.com right now show all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on they're hard to hear about us box you know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts of car whatever need rockauto.com we're back our final segment of Locked On Ravens, Kevin Oshreker, still here with Spencer Schultz. And thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen. Now go make Locked On NFL Draft your second listen of the day with Brian Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. But Spencer, a lot has been made of the 14th pick just because the Ravens don't really pick this high usually. Usually they're in the early 20s or the mid 20s or the late 20s or the 30s even. Having a pick at 14 gives them a ton of different options, and there are people on team trade up, on team trade down, on team stay put. But based off just the hunches you have, Spencer, what do you feel like this team does there in terms of movement? Do you feel like they trade up? Do you feel like they trade down, or do you feel like they stay put? And obviously a lot of it does depend on the board come draft night. Yeah, it certainly takes two to tango, and it it comes on a team-by-team basis. You look at a team like the Carolina Panthers picking at six, they don't have another pick for over two rounds. So they might be in the best interest of, hey, we need more picks. Matt Rule, you know, looking to win now to save his job, probably feels the pressure, feels the stress. Uh, their front office as well and wants to move back potentially, then, then you have the ammo maybe. Maybe if a team is desperate and you don't need to be paying an exuberant amount to move up, you don't need to pay a future first or you're, you, know, you don't need to pay uh, two seconds or something like that. To move up, you might be able to get away with it. Uh, but I think it's just fluid. Ultimately, you make calls. And, and if you're looking at a Kayvon Thibodeau or uh, maybe a Jermaine Johnson or Derek Stingley, and they're sitting there at 9, 10, 11, and you're picking up the phone, seeing what you can do, uh, I think that the Ravens love to pick up the phone in all circumstances, whether it is to acquire or it is to sell. I think they like to know where teams stand. And I think the last thing the Ravens front office is, is lazy especially when it comes to trading picks or, or even trading players. So um, they like to know the market value. I do think it's a little difficult. Uh, it, it, the Ravens love trading back. A lot of uh, analysis says that basically or, or advanced metrics are showing lately that picks, you know, 16 through 32, there's really not that big of a difference historically for how players end up um, through the end of the first round from the, the midsection ultimately. But at the same time, Ravens haven't picked this high. Since Ronnie Stanley, they've only picked this high once before with Ronnie Stanley in the John Harbaugh era. And if there is one quarterback taken and one wide receiver taken or something a little bit askew, you have a chance to go acquire a long-term impact player that can help you in the immediate between a couple players at the top of this draft. So 
I think it is difficult to imagine if the board has anything funky happen that they don't want to pick at 14. Um, it feels like, you know, maybe penning is their fallback plan. If there are no quarterbacks that go ahead of them and one or zero wide receivers go ahead and you watch all these corners come off the board and you watch all these edge rushers and all these tackles come off the board, you know, maybe if they can't find a trade partner, they're fine with penning. Uh, my hunch is that Jordan Davis is a rare and peculiar athlete at a position where the Ravens have not had or drafted an impact player in quite some time. I think being able to have him and Pierce at first is awesome. Being able to make sure that you have someone who's fresh and can penetrate up front, pairing him with Calais Campbell for at least a year to help inspire and, and motivate him and all of those things. To me, he feels like a, a real dark horse at 14. Um, I, I would be all aboard that train. I think it would be a great fit. And it frees up a lot of what you can do living in a, in a nickel and dime world, having a player that demands so much attention and can completely devour centers. So um, that's kind of my hunch, so to speak. Other than that, I think they would really love Jermaine Johnson. I think they would really love Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Derek Stingley. So those are kind of the players that, that I'm looking at that I think there's a realistic shot that at least one of them uh, makes it to 14 and that maybe the Ravens might want to move up you know, a hair, a pick, two picks, three picks, um, to go get someone if if they're you know really valuing one of those guys but I feel like those are potential impact players but again I, I am of, of generally the flavor for any team not just the Ravens that trading back in the first round acquiring capital to trade up into the high second round or the late first round again is the perfect pairing because again there's not a huge difference between a middle first round pick you know a, a 17 and a, and a 29. So if you're able to go move back a little bit, it's not like you're losing some tremendous value. Um, at the same time, you can move up and make that difference between a mid-second round pick, which doesn't hit as often as a, a late first does or an early second does. Um, so I generally like the trade back and trade up. We watch the Ravens do it and acquire Lamar Jackson. Um, they've, they've done it a few times before. So I think trying to consolidate with where the Ravens stand, all of those fourth round picks and a couple thirds, trying to move into having, you know, five, six picks in the top hundred or 90, I think is a really uh, great way to look at it. And I think that you can get some starters into the seventies, eighties, maybe nineties of this class pretty confidently um, through, through the exercises I've tried to do. So I think that's the sweet spot, but I, I think the Ravens pick at 14 at the end of the day. Right. And I'll we'll get into your final 14 prediction in a second. Maybe it is Jordan Davis, but I do want to, kind of go off that last point you made and ask you how many picks do you feel like the Ravens will end up with at the end like if you had to if you had to put a clear number value on how many picks the Ravens end this draft with so maybe it is a trade back couple with a trade up maybe it's a couple trade backs maybe it's that trade up into the top eight top nine how many picks do you feel like this Ravens team will end up with when it's all said and done after the three days I don't know that the Ravens can pick any more than they currently have picks. So I think that we see them maybe acquire a pick next year, maybe a, you know, a mid day three pick, a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick to supplement the fact that they don't have uh, many, any comp picks coming in next year. And that they also could, you know, maybe have a lot of players remaining on their board when they're picking it like, you know, 141 and 139, whatever it is. And saying, all right, yeah, we could have, we, we're okay. We've got, you know, plenty of draftable guys still here that we have a grade on where we're comfortable taking. We could trade back a little bit, acquire a pick next year. That's fine. And then I do think they try to consolidate some of those picks and go nab maybe a, a third round tackle 
or a third round edge rusher or someone that they think is falling, maybe a linebacker, whatever it is. So I think we see a little bit of movement and they pick seven or eight times ultimately in this draft. I don't know that they have much more space on their roster to pick more than like eight times. Um, so I, I would be remiss to think they pick 10 times, nine, a little bit thick for my liking, but I think seven or eight would be a nice class for them, uh, especially if they can consolidate towards the front half of the draft. Yeah, it, it feels a little unrealistic at this point that 10 draft picks could make this roster, especially considering they are deep at a lot of different positions, obviously not all, but also there's undrafted free agency. There's the rest of free agency where they'll probably add a couple of guys, maybe one or two here and there. So while I think they could fit 10 guys on the roster who they draft, I feel like if you have the seven or eight draft class, I have them around eight or nine. So like right in that area, it feels like that's a little bit more realistic. But Spencer, you said that this team, in your opinion, will probably stay at 14 and pick. You mentioned Jordan Davis. I want to get your official prediction for who is your selection at number 14 as of this moment. Who, who's the guy for you at 14 if they stay? I do think there's a good chance that if Mr. Kayvon Thibodeau is, is falling, that there is movement. I don't think he makes it to 14 ultimately. I don't think there's any way the Texans would pass on him at 13. And I don't really think he should fall out of the top five. He is my number one edge rusher in this class. So that is how I feel about him. But if the Baltimore Ravens stay at 14 with the 14th selection in the 2022 NFL draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Again, I think that the rare and peculiar attributes that he has, the pound for pound athleticism being this, and even being one of the heaviest guys ever uh, being the second best tester behind Calvin Johnson ever pound for pound at the combine, as well as the fact that, you know, you can get him on the field immediately. There's not some big learning curve. He is going to be a plus run defender. And again, I think that Clayus Campbell can bring some things out. I think you can ask him and get him some one-on-one matchups. You can lay out some pressures, uh, pressure schemes so that there will be a one-on-one matchup for him. And the fact that he can actually force quarterbacks and mobile quarterbacks to have to banana and take bad angles. They can't turn the corner when he's chasing them. Uh, Like we saw, you know, no disrespect to Jelly Ellis, but when he would pressure the pocket and have a five yard run to go make to hit a quarterback, that quarterback could get their shoulders upfield, re-square and throw. When Jordan Davis chases you, that is not the same situation. I really like him. I think that he's comparable to Dexter Lawrence coming out of Clemson a couple years ago. Someone who's put up over a hundred pressures through his first three years, uh, had a, a over 20, I think quarterback hits ultimately, and is just an absolute menace as a run defender. And I think that finally helps you phase out of the Calais Campbell's and the Derek Wolf's and needing to keep signing these players to kind of man your front. Um, the only concern I have with Davis, frankly, is weight. Can he keep his weight down? Is he going to keep his weight down? Does he want to play that way? You know, was he able to kind of uh, get himself in shape, have this great test uh, at the combine and then, you know, kind of falls off a little bit with that. So that's a little bit more homework that you need in-person interaction for and to talk to more players and coaches and teammates and whatever else than I have. But that's kind of my concern with Davis is his weight. And if he can keep it down, I think you're talking about a, a pro bowl, all pro player in this league. So I think it's too juicy to pass on at 14 especially I don't think Stingley's there. I don't think Thibodeau's there. I don't think Jermaine Johnson's there. Uh, Maybe Charles Cross, maybe, but I I think even between him and Penning, I I feel like it's very hard to pass on Jordan Davis at 14. Yeah. Davis kind of feels like a Raven. I can't really put my finger on it, but he just, he just feels like a player that this team would select. And you're right. 
Clayus Campbell is not a long-term option. Derek Wolf, not a long-term option. Michael Pierce, you know, not, not looking like a long-term option. So you have to kind of get into that next generation of guys where you have Matabike, you have Roger Washington. I think Davis adds to that. And it's such a, just a unique player. And I think will be such a dominant player at this level where if he's there at 14 and there isn't that top end Derek Stingley or Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson, whoever, I'm completely content with the Ravens taking Jordan Davis. So I'm all on board with your pick there, Spencer. But that's all I have for you here today. Thanks so much for joining me here once again. It's crazy that when we talk next week, we'll know. The draft season will officially be over and we'll know whether it is 10 guys or 7 guys or whoever. We'll know who this Baltimore Ravens team selects. We certainly will. Draft season is upon us. Happy draft week to everyone listening. Make sure to go give Kevin five stars. Share this podcast with a friend reward the man who gives you the best daily coverage. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Absolutely. Don't forget to check out Spencer's work on Baltimore beat down the link to his Twitter as well. will be in the description below. It is at Ravens, the number four dummy. So Spencer does great work. You heard it here for about 35 minutes and I'm looking forward to talking to you again, Spencer next week, but that's all I have for you here today on locked on Ravens. When we get back here tomorrow, we're diving into more Ravens talk as the draft quickly approaches. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.